welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, as we continue our month-long review of all cornfields and scarecrows. Up next, if you like uh, refugees stealing money and yelling at each other over walkie-talkie, if you like scarecrows and seeing the same footage of them over and over and over again, if you like uh, uh, our boy named Curry uh, making a bunch of witty jokes, then this is the review for you, everybody. Because the Retro Blood is reviewing Scarecrows. Scarecrows. Jay Allison, mm. James Klein. What's happening, Allison? How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? I'm doing good. How you doing today? Oh, pretty good. You know, celebrating the good old November. You know, this is always like a weird month to me. This it November. Because it it's like, okay, we just got done with Halloween stuff and Halloween overload. And then now mm. we're transitioning to Christmas, but it's taking forever. Yeah. So like, I always remember like hating this month as a kid. Cause it's like, well, fuck, can we just like skip this shit <laughs> and get to the presents? Yeah. You know what I mean? Go straight to Thanksgiving and then move on to Christmas. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that it's like 80 degrees outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, you know, I was used to like it being barely even snowing, you know, where I used to live in Texas and everything. Oh, true. Good point. But even in Florida too, but it was just like, okay, yeah, we got things. Everybody comes over, eat some turkey and shit. That's great. I mean, I I eat every day. Who cares? All right. But yes, I guess you have fancy meals. True. You have fancy, fancier meals on Thanksgiving. I get it. Um, But you know, I just like, it's just a weird month, but you know, Hey, the retro blood, we are making this month fun, brother, because we are talking about cornfields and scarecrows two things that just yep. pretty much just go together yeah so so la- la- last week we did children of the corn you know that has a lot of cornfields in it now mm-hmm. we're talking about some scarecrows brother and this movie is actually yep. pretty surprisingly pretty good <laughs> i thought the same thing i was like yeah as soon as i watched it like i was surprised i, I like i surprisingly like this like I, I didn't really know what to expect you know i know you're the one that found this particular review we're doing yeah I, uh, yeah but i, I didn't know it. what to expect you know i just thought okay it's just gonna be some <laughs> random people going into you know getting scared by crows or whatever but no this one had actually had like a pretty like interesting story plot i mean like interesting development of how the the the, the people actually got to the to the field and true, um, i true. thought uh the only thing that was really weird at first i thought this movie was dubbed you know <laughs> Because there was a lot of talking, but yeah. nobody was like, their mouths were not moving. So I was like, this shit like dub, but no, they were just like talking over the radio. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, I don't know. 
So like this is one of the, this movie is like one of those situations where um I like it I think I like it more because of the situ because of the situation and the guy that made it. Yeah. You know, like the guy did the best he could. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he did the best he could with what he had. And I think I I mean I think that is commendable and I think it's amazing. And like I have a like I re- kind of researched the guy that directed and wrote directed this, and like I have a lot of respect for this guy now. And like I really like this movie, if if for no other reason, just because he made it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's. I pretty, just think it's amazing. Like, the, like yeah, yeah. The best he could, especially for like the low budgets and all the problem that problems that they had, which we'll talk about here on the film. It's actually pretty amazing, like the quality of it. Actually, I thought it was it was pretty impressive. So yeah. But, uh, and they could have actually cut more corners than they did. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But no, like they actually went full blown with a lot of a lot of effects. You know, there there was you you could tell though there was a couple like okay we got to fill in these little camera angles with the same scarecrow motion over and over again. But other than that, <laughs> everything was pretty good. <laughs> well, hold on a second, brother. Yeah, you're a filmmaker. You know how that is. You gotta. You oh, gotta, I feel in shit all the time. <laughs> Yeah, good film. Fucking keep using that shit over and over again, brother. No problem. Oh. Really? Uh-oh, what was that? We haven't heard that sound in a while, brother. I'm drinking uh, me a is beer a sh- here live on the air. Yeah, I said this is Shiner. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, I knew it would be because you're a, you, you're a Texas, Texas kid through and through. Well, yes. So, like, basically, you know, I drink a lot of beer from here, you know, North Carolina and stuff. But, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. like, I stock up on some of this um, Shiner beer that I got, you know, obviously from Texas. But, you know, around this particular time, Shiner actually releases my favorite beer that they do, which is the Shiner Holiday Cheer. So anybody, Mm. if you ever see this in the store, you know, if you just see it anywhere where you're walking and stuff, I highly recommend trying it. Now, unfortunately, I I can only get the can beer here. I usually like my beers on the bottle or from the tap, brother. And this beer from the tap in the bottle. Oh yeah, is superb. Well, I mean, if we were in Texas, we'd bring the tap. Exactly. Is this the so is the holiday? Is that's not the pecan one, right? No, that's a different one. Yes, that that's like probably like my second that's or third favorite. Yeah, oh, that yeah. pecan was so good. Oh yeah, this shit was great. It tastes like it tastes like like a, a root beer basically in a way. But like, my, oh, wow. I, I would yeah. say I would say my favorite. This one does have it has this one has uh, peaches and pecans in it. So. It is a really good one. So this one's my favorite. Um, prickly pear would be my second favorite that they do. And then uh, yeah, the pecan yeah. one would be my third. So We need to take a trip to Texas and just drink Shiner beers. Yeah. That's pretty much the best one that, that I've researched. So Shiner and this, and this one called Revolver are like the two yeah. main like Texas fancy beers, you know? I probably yeah, I think you both. brought me some revolver back from Texas. That was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that one's uh, that shit will hit you quick. That's for sure. So uh, maybe we should do a whole lights out uh, podcast to talk about beer. That'd be fun. Hell yeah! Because yeah, we could we do can. whatever on that one. So, but uh, on this one we have a format. So Allison, let's get, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get try back to be, on track. Let's get back on track here, brother. <laughs> Well, we people know they've been listening to us for a while. We could pretty much go on and on about beer. So, um, but uh, you know, on every retro blood, we talk about the history of what was the going on 
in the pro wrestling and the metal music around the release date. Um, so this release date is pretty interesting. So this movie was released on September 28th, 1988. So we don't actually don't do a whole lot of like 1988s. So I'm pretty excited about doing this particular year. Um, and also too, apparently this was um, not released in movie theaters. It was released on home video. So, and it still made a pretty good uh, budget for just being released on home video as well too. So, yeah, um, I remember this being released on video. Like yeah. I remember, like, I mean, I think I've told this story a bunch of times, but like you know, my local uh, non corporate video store had all these like weird ass horror films, probably because they could probably get them really cheap. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is one of the movies that they had around 1988 that I could watch. Yeah, buddy. Um, so what do you got for, uh, what should we do first? Should we do the pro wrestling? Cause I know you said you had a shit ton of Let's stuff. Let's do wrestling first. Okay, cool. it'll, it, yeah. There's a, there's a shit ton of, of, of music from this, for metal metal for this month for sure. I guess September is a pretty hot release date, huh? I guess so. Oh. It was this year anyway. All right. What do we got in the pro wrestling? All right, so <clears throat> on the day that this movie came out that we could have rented it, I guess, um, in Atlanta, Georgia, which is, eh, you know, kind of close to where we are. Oh, yeah. Um, September 25th, 1988, uh, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions was at the Omni, which was kind of like, uh, you know, their their Madison Square Garden. It was yeah. like the MSG of the South. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, they had a decent show. Um, you know, I think it was just, a you know, a regular house show i guess you could say um six thousand people showed up um but it had a really good it had a really good um card so dick murdoch was on the card and he pinned larry zabisky uh, excuse me i cannot say this guy's right larry zabisco that's why i fuck up everybody's name yeah like and now i'm the one fucking up names (laughs) last week it was Last week it was Jude and <laughs> yeah. Judd and Job and <laughs> <laughs> whatever that fucker's name was. <laughs> that guy got way I can't say Zabis. He has heat with me, by the um, way. He he does. He yeah. does have heat with you. Got heat with um me. and then and I think this next tap match was like really interesting. So this was a, a three a six man tag. <clears throat> On one side you had Mike Rotunda, Rick Steiner, and Al Perez. Against Steve Williams, Nikita Koloff, and the Italian Stallion. Oh, okay. Wow. That... So it's just like, what six people do we not know what to do with? Yeah. Tonight? Well, um, <laughs> let's put them all in a tag team. Well, I know Mike Rotunda and Rick Steiner did team up for for a good amount. True. Uh, True. The other the guy, I don't even club. know who the fuck that is. Who's I don't it? know who Al Perez is. I honestly don't. I'm sure he was a he had a fantastic career, and he's just somebody that I don't know who he is. Yes. But on the other side, you had Steve Williams, um, Nikita Koloff, and North Carolina's own Italian stallion on the uh, on the other side. Which, That's great. That would have been that would have been kind of kind of crazy. I mean, kind of yeah. crazy to see. I, I can't even imagine that. Like you got Doctor Death, Nikita Koloff. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to say with a straight face. And then Italian style. Yeah, like so, you, you got know. two beefy men uh, right. pissed off and pounding on it. Then we have the Italian stallion brother up there fucking. He, yep. he must have been for the ladies of the team, you know? I guess so. so, yeah. And that was like at the beginning of the show. 
So then the, the nice. next match was a Russian was Russian assassin two who was Jack Victory under a mask, and he beat Ivan Koloff. So, <laughs> so the Russian assassin <laughs> beat another Russian. Yeah, and and well, that's how match. they do. They're, so, they were rival uh, Russian factions. Okay, they were. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess I guess Ivan Koloff had turned face at this point too, because yeah. you know Nikita had been Kol- had been Nikita Koloff had been face for a couple of years now. Um. Then so this this is where the show gets really fucking good. So then you got the Midnight Express, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton against the Fantastics, Tommy Rogers and Bobby Fulton. That would have been a fantastic tag team match, and I'm yeah. sure Jim Cornette was there too. Very uh, very high flying, been. you know. So yes. you know, so you know what's something very interesting to me. So you know nowadays, mm-hmm. you know these internet fans or even some of the wrestlers are like ah. These fucking guys, they don't know how to work. They just flip and flop everywhere around there. Flippy, floppy, flippy, floppers, yeah. you know? Flippy, flipping, flopping, fly. Yeah. What do you think the Fantastics and shit were doing? They were high-flying. Exactly. Doing dropped kicks. You know, back in the, if, we, if we had people back in the day, like in the 80s, they'd probably be something like, oh, this guy just keeps doing all that drop kick stuff. Keeps flipping exactly. and flopping over here. It's like, come on, guys. And they're great yeah. workers. Now they're looked That's at as like. That's one thing that, yeah. like. Go ahead. Oh, of course. Of course. You know, that's one thing that like, I mean, I love Jim Cornette and he, and, and I will, I will admit, you know, I will say, I mean, I'm a fan. I've always been a fan. And I will say that most of the time, what he's saying is right. He is technically right. Yes. But I'm sure that in 1985, you know, when Bobby Eaton was climbing up on the top rope and flying off the top rope and doing shit that nobody else could do, and Robert Gibson was doing the enziguri, which nobody could do yeah. at the time, I'm sure there were people back then that were saying, oh, these guys are ruining the business, just like they're yeah. saying about the Young Bucks today. You yeah. know what I mean? They're ruining the business. Or like Will Ospreay you know, or something. I, I'm sure that... Yeah. It's just crazy right. to me. It's yeah. like, come I'm on, sure guys, that really? The, yeah. Like... <laughs> It's just like you need all that stuff in wrestling. You need like fast-paced, exciting wrestlers that want to jump around yeah. and do all their flops. Yeah. I mean, that shit's exciting. You can't just have IRS motherfuckers just lay on the mat like you're going to sleep every fucking five minutes. All right. So you need you need a variety. Exactly. Exactly. And and you know and I, I uh, right you do and I ju- I was gonna say I judge wrestling just like I judge everything else. Am I entertained? You know, did I get my money's worth? Yeah. And you know when I go see those guys wrestle. When I go see AEW, when I went to see Ring of Honor, yeah, I got my money's worth every night, and I was I was perfectly happy with that. Hell yeah! Um, but yeah, so then the show goes on. So the next show, the next match, Dusty Rhodes, the great Dusty Rhodes versus Kevin Sullivan. Oh, that should be fun. Now that that would have been fun. That's something that I don't know that I was trying to think of. That I was like, have I ever seen that before? Like this might be a one of a kind match. I don't know if I've ever seen that, but that would have been a really, really good match. Hey, I got a quick uh, uh, question for you. Have you seen? Oh that, yeah, sure. Have you seen that new show, The Tales of the Territory? I haven't started watching it yet. Okay. Um, I need to. Um, so yeah, I heard the first episodes about Memphis. Yes, the, the first two of them are uh, AWA. Yeah, but the yeah. one you got to watch is the one about um, about Florida. And kind of like the rise mm. of Kevin Sullivan, because you know I always knew yeah. Kevin Sullivan was like you know more of like a sinister type of a character, um, but you know I, I didn't start watching yeah. Kevin Sullivan until yeah. like the '90s and shit, when he was like more of like a booker, you know, more like booking the matches and stuff, and he would just be here, like he ran the Dungeons of Doom. Okay, that's the Kevin Sullivan I remember. Yes, 
But exactly. But if exactly. you see his early shit, like then they show footage of it. That shit was crazy. What they were doing back in the day. Like he basically yeah. would just first, like he was just like a straight, like just a normal baby face, just straight cut, straight laced baby face. And then he's, he gets beat one time and he's just going down like a dark path. And he just starts like slowly morphing into like this sinister cult leader. And which is crazy is because this was the era that they were like, people were worried about Satanist and how like Satanists are going to like mm-hmm. take them and take them away and shit like that. And Kevin Sullivan's like basically right. making a Satanist like fucking cult. <laughs> here and shit people were believing it this is when they shaved luna's head they got a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. looking like sinister and shit and i was seeing some of the footage and i was like damn this guy like pretty pretty crazy uh stuff he was doing there in the uh in that florida territory so you know i think he took that and then when he moved to crockett and stuff he was still like the same character but obviously it wasn't as like you know fresh as it was when he was doing it in florida Right, for sure, you know, and like that stuff I've always wanted to see, so I'll definitely check that episode out. Yeah. Everybody out there should check out Tales of the Territories. I mean, yes. that would be, if you want to understand old wrestling and the way wrestling used to be, yes. that's the shit you need to watch. It's very fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, I've seen the like pictures of him, like with the ups and down crosses like on his face and stuff like that, and I mean, all that shit looks fucking cool. But, you know, what I know of... Kevin Sullivan is I well I know two things I know Dungeon of Doom yes and I know um, uh, Pillman yeah. calling him Booker Man and walking out yes <laughs> that's basically what and I know and his uh, I also remember uh, Chris Benoit taking his wife too that's another one I didn't want to bring that up but yeah that's a good point yes. that's a good point that, that kind of kind of went kind of went into dark <laughs> well uh, they had a great match though I mean yeah, fuck they had a they did, Chris Benoit yeah. versus Kevin Sullivan those are pretty good matches. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a whole nother stuff for a whole nother time. So what do it's we got? It's just so weird, though. To oh, it's all right. So. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, so I was gonna say it was this weird that you know when you look back on those matches now, Chris Benoit is the bad guy. But when you look back on it now, knowing what was gonna happen later, like with murder and all that shit, like yeah. Kevin Sullivan is kind of like trying to save his wife from this maniac who's gonna kill her. Yeah, but you wild. know. That wasn't what we were thinking about at the time. Um, so that wasn't even the end of the match. The, ne- the end of the show, the next match. Now, this would have been this would have been great for me. I know you don't like the cowboy gimmick a lot, um, but this would have been great for me. Sting defeated the NWA US champion Barry Windham by how? Disqualification, Ooh, of course, because we course. can't have it on the house. Gotta have that DQ, brother. Um, but yeah, the Sting versus Barry Windham. That would have been so. Listen, good. I'm not that big into so the. Uh, I'm not big into the cowboy gimmick, but Barry Windham, he gets a pass because he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wrestler and stuff like yeah. he was like, hell, I mean, hell yeah. talk about one of like the highest profile athletes of the '80s. I mean, it's Barry Windham right there. He was on everything. Like, if you wanted mm-hmm. a good match, a good long match, thirty minutes an hour. I mean, come on, you can't go wrong with Barry Windham. And of course, Sting. You know. No, you can't. Sting is like, you know, yeah, one of the Sting most can't, can't, iconic characters yeah. in wrestling. And he was just kind of getting like his start yeah, still, most of his time in the 80s. Yep. Still wrestling today in his 60s. Um, speaking of Barry Windham, like, you know, in today's wrestling, there's a chance that a lot of rumors are saying we might see Barry Windham in WWE with the new Bray Wyatt stuff because he's Bray Wyatt's uncle. Oh. So we might uh, we might see that again. He's going to be Jake Uncle Rivers. Howdy. We'll see what happens. Uncle Howdy. He might be Uncle Howdy, possibly. Probably just going to be Bo Dallas. Um, Probably Bo Dallas. Don't you Bo leave? (laughs) 
I do. I believe. Uh-huh. I, I've always believed, and I love Bo Dallas. I, I, I think that the fact that Bo Dallas was ever released from his contract is a damn change. Is a damn travesty. Yes. So, like Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt are both great wrestlers, and uh, I am happy to see both of them back. If that is indeed what happens, hopefully we'll see. We'll see. And then we have a our stellar main event. Oh. Lex Luger defeated the NWA World Champion Ric Flair by Uh disqualification. What a finish, brother. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) two disqualifications on the same night? Boy. Yeah. You know, back then people didn't give a shit, but nowadays people are like, "What the fuck? This this territory <laughs> is going down." Minds if that happened today. I haven't <laughs> seen booking like this in WCW 2000. Who booked this shit? Was it Vince Russo? <laughs> I mean, fuck. Like back, I guess in the 80s they'd be like, "Fuck." I mean, fuck. What is this shit? What is this fucking uh, 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 Portland? Like, what the hell is this shit going on in here? I haven't seen this fucking booking since Bill Watts, brother. I mean, fuck. Yeah, Bill was fuck that guy. Yeah, we well, here, uh, we want the face this. to go over, but we don't need yeah. titles to change. Yeah, where's my finish, brother? He even he can't even give me a small package. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, that sounds yeah, like a pretty good. I, main I mean, that's just. I mean, it. That, I mean, that would have been. This would have been a great show. This would have been a good show. Yeah. It's just you know, it's typical house show booking, right? It's like your your titles don't change because of disqualifications, but hey. You got to. I'm sure that they got good matches going into this, so I don't yeah. think this would have been any problem for any. This would not have been a problem for me if I saw this show today. I would be happy, and I would definitely have been happy in 1988. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, you're right. I mean, like you know, it's like I think back then, you know, like in the 80s, like finishes were a big deal. But since some, everything wasn't has like you know accessible as it is today it's not like has much of a big deal because you know they they had weekly tv but their weekly tv was a lot different it was mostly just squash matches so anytime you got to see two big uh, stars go head to head you can do those disqualifications and stuff and it also would build to like maybe maybe a rematch in that same town so it just uh, wrestling like we talked about before was just a totally different platform in the 80s then it would then what it would become once it hits the Monday Night Wars or once they're on like USA Network and once they're on TBS, um, you know, it just that that pretty much changed the whole landscape of like people want to see correct finishes. Oh, they yeah. want to see stars versus stars. It just and it just morphed from there. You know, back then it's like, OK, they, we just want to see the two stars fight. We don't really care how it ends. Obviously, we want our guy to win. Yeah. But, you know, you can you can you can use the little more disqualifications better than you can today. Right. And and he and it wasn't really about title changes like it is now. So that's one thing that I was going to mention about the '90s that changed wrestling. That I, I think at least like because before the '90s, before you know the Monday Night Wars, you didn't see a title change every 30 days like you kind of do now. Um, you know, like like Roman Reigns holding the title, the WWE title for two years is crazy to people right now. Oh, yeah. Like, you hear people talking about, like, I can't believe he's held the title for two years. Uh, But Bruno Sammartino held held that title for, like, eight years or ten years or a a long time, years and years and years. And, like, title changes didn't happen that often back in the 80s. Um, You know, Ric Flair is a 16-time world champion, 
but going into like you know 96 or 97 he was like a six or eight time world champion and that was like unheard of like that's that was fucking crazy um dusty Rhodes held the title three times i think um so like title changes now like the way they do title changes now is completely different than the way they did it, did it then. Like people would hold the title forever back then. Like there was like title changes meant something back then. And now, now, you know, title changes like are basically every 30 days you have a pay-per-view, somebody else wins the title. That's kind of how they do it now. Yeah. Definitely. Although not at this very particular moment, <clears throat> but that, that that's much more common now than it was then. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's a very rare, like, moments nowadays is somebody could go a whole year being the world champion. So, but yeah, pretty fun card in Atlanta. Uh, we definitely be rocking that one. Sounds really fun. But um, on the way to Atlanta and on the way to the local, um, did they have Blockbuster during this time? I think I asked that, like, every time. <laughs> did they have Blockbuster or did they have, like, Rent-A-Center rent or Rent-A-Video? <laughs> Rent a center. Uh, Blockbuster probably existed, but we didn't have it around where I live. We only had mom and pop video stores, which okay. is why I was able to see all these cool ass Euro and so on the way, trashy horror films. On the way we to the about today. On the way to the mom and pop uh, renter center, mm-hmm. I feel you could rent your yep, maybe maybe yep. it's called VHS on demand. Uh, <laughs> what are, what are yeah, we listening maybe. to? What are we listening to in the Trans Am, brother? All right, man. So <laughs> so. September of 1988 was a crazy ass time for music. And there's a lot of shit that came out that month that we won't be talking about today that we hopefully we'll be able to talk about in another episode. But like I went back and forth all day long today like trying to figure out what what I should talk about. So I, I can't narrow it down. So I'm going to talk about two different things. One was um, the perennial favorite that we've talked about on the show before. The thrash metal Titans Anthrax Oops. released an album September 19th, 1988. So that was in about four days before this movie came out. And, you know, we would have been coming off the uh, Among the Living album, which is one of the best thrash metal albums of all time, in my opinion. Uh, State of Euphoria is not as good, in my opinion, but it is fantastic. And, you know, we would have been rocking that in the Trans Am as we traveled to the video store to see to get scarecrows or to drive to Atlanta to see this Crockett show. We would have definitely been rocking State of Euphoria. State of Euphoria is an unusual album for Anthrax. It is when they first started moving into a more more epic songwriting, like the songs are longer, they're more powerful, like there's just more to to their music. Um they don't really play a lot of these songs live. Like the, my, my big gripe with Anthrax being a huge fan myself, my biggest gripe with Anthrax is if you go see Anthrax now, you're going to hear the same songs every single time. Yeah, You're going to hear Among the Living. You're going to hear I Am the Law. You're going to hear um, Caught in a Mosh. And off this album, the only song they regularly play is um, Antisocial, which is a great sing-along song. It's a cover of a band by a band called Trust, which is a French metal band. Um, you know, they 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 play that song every single show. I mean, it's a good song, but like, I mean, how many times do I need to hear it? But like, this album yeah. is so good. I mean, it has "Be All End All," it has "Out of Sight, Out of Mind," it has "Make Me Laugh," which we'll probably play at the end of this episode. 
It has Who Cares Wins. It has Now It's Dark, Schism. I mean, this is a great album. Oh. I mean, and, Schism, um, huh? You mean a, like Joe Gacy Schism? Exactly. It's exactly like that. I'm sure they got that exactly from this album, too. Well, they got it from it's Tool. So influential. I bet Joe Gacy is a huge Anthrax fan. I, I can guarantee you that. Isn't um, Schism also Tool as well, too? Or am I, am I making that shit up? Tool has a song called Schism as well, okay. yes, I believe. Um, but today we're talking about Anthrax. We're talking about metal and we're talking about Anthrax. And um, so Anthrax was on tour at this time as well. Um, they didn't do a lot of touring for this for this tour, for this album at the end of 88. They did a ton in 89. Um, but they were on tour with my favorite band of all time, Iron Maiden, wow. in Europe. And they were in France opening for Iron Maiden. And um, that's what they were doing when this album came out. Um, but there is something that's a little bit closer to home that I think you'll appreciate. And I'm glad you brought up the Shiner because Shiner is a Texas uh, staple. It's yeah. a Texas beer. It's it's a thing that Texas people um, drink when they might be going on road trips. How do you feel about road trips, James? Do you like road trips? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, most of the time when I do a road trip, I got to drive the whole time, which is fine, but, you mm-hmm. know, you know, it's yeah. it's fun to go explore new places and explore new areas. So I'm always down for a good road trip. Yeah, I'm always I'm always like road trips with you because you always drive. Because yeah. I hate driving. So <laughs> I always I always like it when you drive and you always drive the Trans Am everywhere we go, and I'm always happy with that being chauffeured around. So if we were in nineteen eighty eight in September, waiting on this video cassette to come to our local video store how do you think we would we even find it to be honest with you like they were gonna see oh, a commercial this this has had to be some sort of like dirt sheet horror magazine we had to find this shit off maybe or <laughs> maybe maybe we found it the way i found it you know i just went you know like i i think i've mentioned this before but i was raised by vcr i mean my parents were i was like a latchkey kid my parents didn't you t- didn't take care of me i was like a feral child you know like i got oh, off previews. the school bus okay <laughs> Yeah, I got off the school bus and I walked. I know I walked down my little dirt road home, mm-hmm. and um, I had a had had a little um, frozen meal that was in the freezer, and I I can specifically remember like dragging a chair over to the refrigerator and like climbing up in the chair and pulling up the freezer and getting my little frozen meal out, and then getting down on the floor and pushing the chair over to the microwave and kept climbing up on the chair to be able to reach the microwave to put my little frozen meal in and closing it up and like heating it up and like eating that way. So like when I think about that, that's fucking crazy. Cause like, I mean, like I was so little that I couldn't even reach the microwave on the counter. So I must've been what, you know, six, seven years old, Yep. you know, I'm like, like eating frozen meals and watching horror movies every day, like waiting for my parents to finally get done working. But that's how I found this movie. You know, it was like a movie that was like in my video store and it looked fucked up and I bought it and I rented it because, you know, they didn't ID people then. Like, I think that shit's weird. Like, you know, when like the first time I ever got ID'd for a movie, I think that was, that was bizarre. Like, I never got ID'd for a movie. I never got ID'd to rent a movie. Like, I, I rented a bunch of fucked up shit and I never got ID'd for any of that stuff. You know, and obviously I was underage because I was a child yeah. and, you know. <laughs> Should we be renting like cannibal Holocaust to a child? I don't know, but they did. Dang, they didn't and, care you know, your so place. <laughs> they ID'd me all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's freer here. I don't know. But uh-huh. you know, I'd go and eat my little like beef stroganoff, like frozen meal and like watch cannibal Holocaust or scarecrows or whatever. But you know, like we might've discovered this in the video store, but like if we wanted to do a road trip, 
around the time this came out, there was something ab- I just find this absolutely amazing and nothing like this would ever happen today. So if we were kids and I say kids like teenagers driving to Trans Am around 1988 in the Texas area, we could have witnessed something called the metal mercenaries tour, oh. the mercenaries of metal. And basically that was what Judas Priest tour was called that year. They, they released this album in May called Ram It Down, which um, if you've never heard Ram It Down, it's not their best album, but it, it, it's pretty amazing. It, it's, it's pretty, it, with the guitar solos, the overindulgent guitar solos, it's pretty amazing. I love this album. But um, they were basically in Texas for a whole week. And if we had gone wow. on, we, we could have gone on, I know, that's what I'm saying. Like we could have gone on a road trip in September uh, the week since that movie came out. So check this out. I, I find this, no, nobody would do this today. But um, so if, if we were so inclined on September 23rd, this movie came out September 25th, right? So September 23rd, we could have driven to Houston at the summit to see Judas Priest with Cinderella opening, which I think is just fucking weird. Yeah, but that weird. happened. <laughs> the Cinderella is opening. Uh, September 24th, we could have driven three hours up to Dallas to the Starplex Amphitheater to see it again. The next day, we could have driven three hours south again to San Antonio to see it another time. Had a day off here. September 27th, driven up to Austin to see it again. September 28th, we could have seen it in Lubbock. But we're not done here. The next day, they were played in El Paso, Texas, Again with Cinderella, Damn. I mean that's one, two, three, four, five, six shows. That's a close Texas in loop. Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. That, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I find that astounding. We could have seen the the uh, Ram It Down tour six times within like six hours drive of anywhere in Texas. That that's just crazy. Yeah, because the most but, um, the most yeah. you might get around some areas maybe seeing the show like three times. Six times. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. In one state. Yeah. In yeah, one state. And yeah. then if we wanted to go out of the state, we could have driven to Florida and seen them a couple more times. In New Orleans, we could see them another time. We could have seen like Judas Priest like ten times on that tour if we wanted to. But yeah, I mean I think that is amazing. And also for the people out there, and I'm sure we'll put this on Facebook page as well, but there is an entire show from September, um, I believe it's eighteenth. Okay. Um, of the Ram It Down show tour. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty epic. Um, yeah, it was a good tour. It was a good show. Um, the next, the next album they came out with was painkiller, which is a masterpiece in my opinion, mm-hmm. but we're not quite there yet. We might get there. Almost eventually, there. But <laughs> almost there. But yeah, I mean, I just think that's crazy. Like we could have like, you know, gone for like a week on tour with Judas Priest and saw them, you know, six times come back to our hotel room and watch scarecrows. Yeah. Talk about crazy and fucked up that is, and then uh, yeah, that would have been a that would have been a metal month for sure. Yeah, that would have been pretty wild. Yeah, that's pretty. Imagine seeing Cinderella six times. That'd be interesting. I know that would have been weird, right? Yeah. Um, because it's kind of sucks. Well, it kind of sucks because I like Cinderella. I mean, I think Cinderella's a good band. They just kind of got you know, like I say this a lot. They kind of got caught in that whole like, hair metal thing. But if they came out at a different time, they would have been they would have been way more celebrated than they are now. <clears throat> but 
if we the, the right after Cinderella dropped off the uh, Mercenaries and Metal tour, the opening act was Slayer. Oh shit! What the hell? Yeah, hell yeah! So that, that would, would be fantastic. Crazy. Can you imagine seeing that? Seeing Slayer. See, and I then think seeing Judas Priest. Oh hell! Oh, I think I could no, probably. No. Yeah, I think I can maybe do that one six times. I don't know if I could do the whole <laughs> Cinderella and Judas Priest six <laughs> times, but Slayer, like especially they, especially if they like. I know I know bands probably didn't do this. Like, do you think they just played the same set all six times? Judas Priest did, yeah. yeah. Judas Priest played the same show just about every night. Yeah, I'm sure. Is this when they still had uh, uh, Ron in it or no? Rob Halford, yeah, yeah. This was the original. Well, it wasn't the original original band because Judas Priest is one of those bands where they've been around for a long, long time. Like they were like a band in the '70s. Like they had been around forever before they got big. <laughs> Um, so to me, the band that play that was in the Ram It Down era is the original Judas Priest, but they had changed like drummers, I think, a couple of times. Um, I think Doug Holland was their drummer at the time that this tour was going on. Um, and he's not the guy that's in the band now, but, um, but yeah, they were basically the, the Judas Priest. They were the famous Judas Priest because Judas Priest got big in 1980. Um, and then they were big in the eighties. They were they were they were like a seventies band that got big in the eighties, which is really unusual um, for the most part. Yeah, but every, yeah, definitely would be pretty fun though. So maybe we'll play. Uh, well, we'll play whatever you want at the end. Either the Judas Priest. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, we, we have a whole we'll lot. Figure it out. We have a whole lot here. But yeah, that definitely would have been pretty cool. It's always cool to see like them all mixing together. You know, a little Judas Priest. Uh, maybe maybe do a little stop near Atlanta. <laughs> and then watch them scarecrows, brother, mm-hmm. in the hotel rooms. Exactly. But yeah. um, speaking of uh, scarecrow, let's get into a little bit of the uh, production of it because this one actually has a pretty—it's not the most interesting production, but it does have a couple interesting stuff that happened when I was doing some research. So, yep. So you know, you did a little um, research about the the director William uh, Wesley. Yeah, Wesley William Wesley. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, the, so apparently, William Wesley. And Richard uh, Jeffries co-wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. for this film, with each writing yep. drafts and then passing them them between each other, making edits and altercations. The film was marketed as William's uh, first feature film, as well as the producer Cami Winkleoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, William uh, devised the story of three farmers who have died and now act as sentinels on the field has on the field and farmhouse. So that was like kind of yep. like his idea of doing like the turning these farmers into like scarecrows basically. So, so according to William, he, he attempted to cast the uh, films with local actors. So this film was actually <laughs> filmed in 1985 and it was filmed in Davie, Florida. Now I have never been to yeah. Davie. I have no idea where the fuck that is. All right. It's in Davie. I'm assuming it's Southern Florida. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I assume too, too. I mean, since it's filmed there, they had like a farm, so it's probably mm-hmm. filmed somewhere around there. So he, he he attempted to, you know, to keep budget down. He wanted to ca- cast like local actors, but it was unsuccessful. So the majority of the cast uh, came from Los Angeles. Uh, apparently, Ted Vermin, all right, uh, he played Corbin. You know, the guy with yeah. the the guy with the stash, right? All right? The big dude. He was like beating Bert's ass. Um, he apparently was like the sole local performer in Florida. 
And the reason that was is because he helped finance the movie. Mm. So he put up like a, a, a hundred fifty thousand of the budget <laughs> just to be in the movie. So they gave him a role. Yeah. Right. So they gave him the role. And check this out. So they gave him the role right, of like Corbin. Yeah. And then he was actually upset because he didn't have that many lines. Right. Because the guy can't act. Yes. Because he's not like a <laughs> like an actor and shit. So there, there's like a little bit of uh, uh, tension between uh, William and Ted over here. So I thought that place was, I thought that was kind of, I was like, come on, man, really? But, like, bro. But that's, that's just a typical indie filmmaker thing, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Ed Wood had to deal with that. And I'm sure that, you know, as an indie filmmaker, you, you know, you may or may not. And in the future, you probably will have to deal with that. Like, this guy's got money and he wants to be in my movie. But he can't act where the shit yeah. is. So we're going to take his money and we're going to do the best we can. To be honest with you, like the, the guy seemed like he had a shit ton of lines to me. This guy, was t- especially towards the end, or maybe those were like made up. Remember, like when he was going towards the airplane, yeah. like this guy had like a ton of lines. But that's what I thought too. I was like, yeah. it's not, I mean, it's not like he had no lines in this movie. I mean, yeah. he had quite a, quite a few things to say. And it's not like anybody else in this movie could act either. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. He wasn't any worse know, than anybody else that was in this. That Curry guy was pretty sweet. <laughs> All right. This movie was great, by the way. So, like, so the, the bulk of this movie was filmed in Florida. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they did do some um, airplane shots. The majority of the airplane shots were apparently uh, filmed in Mexico. Yeah. All right. Uh, and also, too, the farmhouse was actually a real farmhouse that was on the edge of a swamp, so they got lucky with that one. Um, but the house was a little bit you know, challenging for the production team as it was falling apart. But at least it made it look realistic, though. But it was like kind of hard to film in there because there was a lot of um, falling apart. And they rented it for about three months at a rate of two fifty a month. So that's, not too, that's actually not too bad. Two fifty a month? I mean, fuck. You rent something like that nowadays, they're probably going to be asking for a thousand. Um, let's see. Yeah, well, I mean, this thing was falling apart, though. Yeah, even nowadays. Yeah, right. You know, people are crazy nowadays. But, well, even now, you're right. But, I mean, yeah. this was 1988. Yeah. This is 1980 movie. I mean, this movie only cost. So, one thing, yeah. one thing to keep in mind is, like, so $150,000 doesn't sound like a lot of money in 2022 dollars. But yeah. I mean, this whole entire movie cost four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to make. Yeah. So he put up like a fourth of the money for yeah. that. And this movie. and they were losing money, like they, oh, they yeah. like that wasn't the original budget. It was even lower than that, and they had to borrow more money, which is crazy. Um. So you know, a lot of it, obviously there's a lot of mosquitoes. That was one thing that the cast was complaining about. Um, and then of course, like during the filming. Uh, the production the production ran out of funds, and further financing had Talk to be arranged to finish the film. Probably that damn airplane. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that or uh, I, when I watched <laughs> it, when I first watched it, the first time I watched it, I was like, I was like, oh, well, that's that's stock footage of an airplane. But apparently, they didn't. They went to Mexico and actually filmed an airplane. Like, wow. I don't know why they didn't use stock footage for that, but. Like they apparently went to Mexico and filmed a real airplane. Well, and that's probably where like a lot of their budget went. Why well, thought all the budget went to the people when they jumped out of the parachute when they used the green screen? <laughs> <laughs> that sure was great. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That probably wasn't as cheap then as it is now. So we could we could have a green screen now in your in your garage, but back yeah. then it was a little more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Take a little more of the budget there. So I thought this part was pretty crazy. So the cinematographer who on this film was Peter 
Deming, mm-hmm. who would go on to work on, I couldn't believe when I saw it with my own eyes, Hellraiser and Evil Dead 2. How the fuck do you go from Scarecrows to Hellraiser and Evil Dead 2? Boy, yeah. that's awesome. Good for this guy. It's, it is awesome. I mean, that guy definitely went up in the world for sure. Not, not, there's not, not knocking this movie. Yes. I mean, the guy did the best he could. Yeah. But, you know, they spent like, I, I think that of the budget, they spent like $5,000 on special effects. Yeah. Of the $425,000. So <laughs> $5,000 of that was on special effects. As when you watch this, you'll see, you'll see why. But, um, I mean, you know, this movie's good. I mean, yeah. We'll, we'll, talk about it yeah, yeah so peter deming went on to work on hellraiser and evil dead too yeah so he like went to hollywood um one thing i wanted to mention about this guy um one thing that made me really really fall for this dude william wesley that directed this like i don't know if you've looked him up on he's on linkedin oh. so i don't know if you've looked him up on that but his linkedin profile is amazing so he's like he's like a dude after my own heart oh yeah so like he's he's like um, so he lists all the movies that he made, like Scarecrows and Route 666, which was a Lionsgate film. But he, so he'll mention like Scarecrows. He's like, I'm the director and writer and producer of Scarecrows, distributed by MGM. And, but then he doesn't stop there. Then he, then his LinkedIn profile says, but I'm not an MGM employee. I'm an independent filmmaker. And he says that about Lionsgate too. And and I love that. Like he points that out. Like yeah. he makes a point of saying that. Like, <laughs> like, like MGM distributed my movie, but I fucking made this. I scrounged up, you know, money for this. I had to deal with this fucking Ted Vernon guy who can't fucking act to yeah. give me $150,000 to make the Scarecrow's movie. This movie is mine. I made this. And I think that's amazing. I, I, I had, I had the, I mean, that gave me like all the respect I ever needed for William, 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 William excuse me, William Wesley. This guy's name's hard to say, but anyway, um, I had, had the world, had a world's respect for that dude after, after reading that. I, I think that's amazing. I love people like that. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if you did, found this research too, but I thought this story was pretty crazy. So when it comes to like the pr- post-production of this movie, apparently uh, uh, Wesley and, and the producer Winkonoff uh, were scheduled to fly from Miami to Los Angeles to edit the film. And they had tickets for the- Oh, I read about this. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Tell yeah, the people. It's pretty crazy. The so it had, they had tickets for the Delta Airlines Flight 191. Mm-hmm. And on August 2nd, 1985, However, they they pretty much drove to the wrong airport, you know, <laughs> thus missing the flight, which uh, which entered. Uh, so they missed the flight and they got onto a different flight, which en- yeah. which entered into a micro dust in Dallas and crashed, killing 136 passengers. Yeah, I had to look that up. What a microburst is, yeah. but it's apparently like when there's like it's like a freak weird thing that can happen in a flight, like when air like somehow like it goes down to the earth and then like shoots back up and it hits like if it hits a plane it'll cause a plane to crash and it's like a one in a million thing that can happen but these fucking guys like were supposed to be on the plane that crashed where everybody died but they went to the wrong airport and they were probably pissed they were probably fucking pissed off the day that this happened like like you know i can't get my flight now but then it it saved their life it's like one of those like freak things that saved their lives yeah, which is crazy. Like, 
I mean, how how lucky can you be? You know what I mean? Like, right. fuck, that's exactly. crazy. I mean, like, at, at some point, you just got to think, you know, something's watching out for me. Yeah. So, pretty wild stuff there. So, you know, good for them for missing that flight, but fuck, that's just like... That's like that's some that's some uh uh what is it called uh final destination shit right there. Exactly. Uh, it's like one of those things that you can't control, so you, you can't even worry about it because you can't control it. Exactly. It's just like there's no signs for this. Like, you know, you could like I could get on a plane tomorrow and it hit a microburst and I die, and then you know, you have to find a new co host. It's just something that could happen. So another thing about the release, you know, after the film was completed. It was sold to Manson International Pictures. However, mm. seven months after the transaction, the company went bankrupt, stalling a chance Oops. at a th- theatrical release. So they were trying to get it in the movie theaters, but, you know, we got the the, the money mark. Uh, Manson International Pictures lost their money. And so yep. uh, there it goes. But according to Cammy and everything, the uh, producer, it was it was successful in the home video market, grossing around $3 million. So... At least they yeah. got some of the so, money I mean, back. Yeah, well, I mean, they did. It did well, right? I mean, oh. it made three million dollars on a four hundred thousand dollar investment. I mean, that's good. I mean, you know, if it had made eight hundred thousand dollars, that would have been good. But it made three million dollars. I mean, this guy's a success. I mean, Will, William Wesley is a success, and you can't take that away from him. I mean, it's it, it, this this story. The story of this movie is amazing. Like, I did not expect this when I suggested that we watch this movie. Yeah. But like this guy, this guy is a fucking hero. Like I, I have so much respect for this dude. Yeah, um, yeah, it's Definitely amazing. Fun. I'd love to meet him at a convention. Oh yeah, yeah. He probably doesn't even do conventions. Hey, you never know. Maybe we'll get him going. He's probably like, you know, fuck you. I don't need your conventions. Yeah. So when this film was released on September 28, 1988, it was released by MCEG uh, Virginia Visa Films or Production. Mm-hmm. So they're the ones that yeah. released it, and then later on, that's when it would get re-released by MGM. So, pretty interesting stuff. But um, how about we actually start talking about the movie? How about we get let's into talk about the what scare- actually happened in the yes. movie? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about what's going on with the Scarecrow's brother. Let's get into it. At first, it seemed easy. Take the money that dropped from the sky. They forgot that greed grips the mind like a vice. Turning the simplest dreams to nightmares. Coming to get you, Bert, you son of a bitch. Now it's personal. They landed in the field of a scarecrow. Just some kind of superstitious things that are used to ward off evil spirits. Fired at this thing. He just kept coming. Well, let's don't stop it. What are you scaring the house? Man! Thank you, man. Somebody is trying to scare us out of here. It's a deadly race. In which the hunters and the hunted are destined to become victims. So we're here. We get some credits. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like, so, you know, I was thinking about, okay, we got a movie. Obviously, it's called Scarecrows and shit. How do we start off a movie that's called Scarecrows? Well, we started off Scarecrows. in a plane, of course. Oh, yeah. With a plane. <laughs> well, in a plane. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Scarecrows, but no, we're starting off in a plane. And there's, like, a newscast on this plane saying, like, these this group of rich, re, uh, refugees stole this merchant airplane last night, and they've been on the chase um, with the with the local um, authorities, uh, yeah. which Roxanne called the army every time. Um, <laughs> and they stole. They basically stole a lot of money. Okay. Yeah. And they hijacked this airplane with, with this uh, <clears throat> a dad and daughter were running. All right, mm-hmm. and they're flying over the Pacific right now. Okay, so Allison and everybody, you know how much money these guys were stealing that you're risking your whole life on to to make a new life and to 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 be rich and to to not even work again and everything. <laughs> and we're gonna split it what? between at least five people. Yes, they sold. Was it? Go ahead. Was it like eight hundred thousand dollars? No, no. It, it was three million. Oh, it was three million. So it was yes. more than I thought. Yes. Okay. Well, so more you than know. you thought. But you know, it was so more than I thought. you know, nowadays people are like three million. What the fuck? Why are you fucking having gunfights and shit? This is like split between five people too. You know. But back then, yeah. okay, I can kind of see it a little bit. So, so we see one of the crew members. He's like kind of messing around with some stuff on the airplane, um, while like we can see like a couple of them. We had one guy, Jack. He's just playing with her, his harmonica the whole time. Um, and then we, yeah, and then we, we started on that shit, but it, okay, yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Then we had, um, uh, Roxanne. She's the one that's like pretty much like putting the gun to the, the mom and dad, tell them the fly and everything. Yeah. Um, and then we see the Bert guy. He's the one that's kind of like moving stuff around and he eventually takes the crate and then they start just looking at him like, Hey, look what he's doing. They're looking at him and they're looking at him and then Bert just like throws like I guess a grenade and then he turns on the smoke and he just like jumps out they try to shoot him but he just jumps out there with the money and then the whole time yeah. like Corbin and stuff like they're trying to figure out where this grenade is and it's with Jack the whole time he's just like staring at it and a good like two or three minutes go by then they finally grab the grenade and throw it out I'm like fuck man this grenade like it took forever to blow off <laughs> like damn so I got a five minute time or something yeah. yeah this was confusing for me I was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on and why any of this was happening but yes well they told you these guys stole an airplane with a bunch of money and no, they're driving over the Pacific. That <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going on didn't this guy turn he turned heel on the group all right he's he wants right, he's he did he turned heel yeah he had a plan was to blow up this airplane and him to actually i don't really understand exactly what Bert's, Bert's plan was like apparently exactly. his plan was to get over the pacific he's like okay what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab this money and I'm going to like parachute off here. I'm going to kill everybody on board and I'm just going to parachute off a place I'd never been before in my life and hopefully I don't die and then hopefully I can get away scotch-free. Okay. Right. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, So they have this plan where they're going to split $3 million, which, I mean, in 1988, it was a lot of money. I mean, that's a lot of money now. But in 1988, that was a lot. That was a shitload of money. But somehow, like, this dude decides he's going to, like, parachute out of this plane over, I guess, Mexico, which is where they, I guess, are going. Um, I don't know if that's, like, the shoot, you know, d- location or whether they just shot the movie. But 
Um, but you know, he's supposed to like, he decides he's going to take all the money and like parachute out of this like plane that they hijacked or whatever. I, I, anyway, yeah, you know, it's not the craziest thing. It's going to happen, but you know, it's pretty crazy. So now like the crew since like, you know, they escaped death by throwing that grenade off the airplane. Uh, now they're pissed off. Now they want to go find Bert. All right. So Bert is kind of like, he's like stuck on like a tree. And he's kind of like looking around. And he's like, oh. So he has like looking around and he's like, oh, I don't hear no explosion. And he's like, fuck it. So he cuts himself down and he's going to go find the money. And then everybody else is like, they're, they're basically want to, um, they want to find a uh, Bert. So they keep wanting to have the, the dad and the daughter like circle around to kind of, mm-hmm. to kind of find where he's at. Um, right. So Bert, he kind of goes to like an old house, looks through the old house and everything. And then uh, eventually, um, they start radioing him. Like, hey, Bert, we know you're out there. <laughs> you fucking asshole. We're not blown up, you see. But, like, they said it like, you ever played Metal Gear Solid? It's exactly like that. It sounds exactly like when they talk <laughs> over the radio to Metal Gear Solid. Like, I can't even do the sound effect. It's like, it's like, hey, Bert, I can't even do this. You can't even do the sound. Like, you needed, like, a walkie-talkie or something like that, some radio yeah, sound. Yeah, <laughs> It's and like they, say, they say the most random shit too in this movie, like just the most random stuff. Like, <laughs> like, hey, Bert, we know you're there, and you think you're creative. You think you could blow us up, huh? Guess what? We escaped death, Bert. Ha ha ha! Like some shit like that. Um, so after this, you know, Bert gets into the like some old car, and then they start yeah. spotting him. And Roxanne's like, I spot him. It's like, <laughs> this, so this movie was like the master of telling us what's going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, they kind of have to because it doesn't make sense at first. Like you can't figure out why Bert, why they're chasing Bert. Well, nothing. You can't. He just like, stole their money. Well, right. He just stole the money. Yes. But like, why did he steal the money? Like, why? Why? Because why? he wanted it like, for himself. I, mean, I guess. I guess so. Okay. I guess so. But I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about. Okay, Bert. Go, we see uh, with our own two eyes. Bert goes into a car. Next thing I hear, Rock mm-hmm. sounds like Bert just went into a car. I can see lights <laughs> on in the car. Okay, thank you. I can see it with my own fucking eyes. We know he went to the fucking car. All right? I mean, I get it. She's trying to radio everybody else, but everybody else is on the same plane. So she's like, oh, we think yeah. we spotted him and stuff. And he's like, oh, I think he's going east. And then and then they're saying, like, Bert, don't you know that there's only one road and stuff? And so so at this particular time, um, uh, Corbin, Jack, and, and Curry... Those are the other crew members that are guys. They they parachute down to go find the money and to go find Bert. Yeah. So they're kind of chasing him and shit uh, during this time. And then uh, and then you know um, Bert, he's in the he's you know by the way we got a fucking another Bert. Like is this fucking name following us around or something? We had a Bert and children in the corner. We, we had, had a Bert, Bert over week. here. Yeah. Fucking weird Bert. Who the fuck? Okay. Sorry to all the Berts out there. But anyway. Uh, so Bert is on this uh, old uh, a truck and he just runs over these scarecrows, breaking all these scarecrows mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, <laughs> so and this is when we kind of start seeing some of those scarecrow shots and we can see that they're breathing mm. a little bit. So yeah. we see a sign that says uh, "flower." I'm flowner, okay, and it says "keep out." All right. And right. then Curry, so we mostly see a lot of scenes with Curry and Jack. So Curry's like, hey, hold this. And then Jack's like, well, I can't. The sign says keep out. 
He's like, just hold this, man. And just jumps on the fence. And then he uses, like, some night vision. He's like, well, what do you see up there? Curry's like, well, I see the Playboy Mansion. Ooh, good one. So, so, so he's like, no, all I see, and he's like, no, all I see is a bunch of scarecrows everywhere. And then Roxanne uh, uh, tells him, uh, like, hey, you guys stay there. Um, I think I see Bert, and, and, and he's kind of close to where you guys are at. And then, uh, um, so Bert, uh, he finds, so Bert is now around and he finds like the cash, like he finds like the, where the cash is laid out and stuff. Mm. And, um, uh, and then he sees like some, uh, some scarecrows. Like we see like, a bunch of scarecrows all around over there. And then, so now Bert has put the cash into that old truck. All right. And then the radio girl is the Roxanne girl. She's literally just telling us everything that's happening. <laughs> oh, I see Bert there. Oh, he out. put the the cash in the in the car. Look at him. He's going that way. He's he. There's no road that way. How's he gonna do that? <laughs> like she's just saying everything. I get why she's doing this because she's radioing everybody. You know, but it's like fuck. I we, guess we got it, guys. Um. So, okay. So now she's telling like uh, Kelly, which is the daughter. They're like, hey, turn this airplane around again. All right? We got to find a place to land right now. Because I saw Bert and I saw that cash. I got to go tell him. And she's kind of out of range, too. Like, she's a little bit out of range right now to kind of give the guys even more hints of what's happening. So um, so they start radioing Bert a little bit, saying, like, hey. So this is when uh, Jack and Curry are kind of taunting Kurt throughout the whole movie um, a little bit. Like, hey, we, you know, we're on to you and stuff. We're going to be getting you. So Bert's about to go to the car, but the car stops working. He's like, oh, fucking so his car and shit. He gets out of the car and he realizes, like, hey, there's no engine in here. There's, like, no engine in the car at all. <laughs> he's all like, it's, this is a weird response, too. He's all like, oh, that's weird. There's no engine in here. Somebody play, no engine. Somebody playing a joke on me? <laughs> How the fuck? What? Okay. Well, what a weird response. Yeah. Like, like. Like that's the response that you would have if you just drove a truck that had no engine in it, and then yeah. you find out it had no engine, and you're like, "Oh, is somebody playing a trick on me!" Like, I, I, I don't know. So, There's like, not a lot of logic in this. <laughs> so, like, uh, during this too, like Roxanna and and they they land the plane, and they think that they're close by where Bert's at. Mm. So now this is like when um. This is when uh, Curry and Jack are getting a little closer to Bert, and they start taunting him, saying, like, hey, you're going to die for taking us our money and shit. All that $3 million. All right? <laughs> yeah. See, they say, you're going to go get it. You're going to get it and stuff. We're going to, you know, get you. Um, and then, so we see um, Bert kind of, like, walking around and stuff, too. Like, And then he keeps running into, like, different scarecrows. So... Then we keep hearing like just some random stuff like, hey, you're going to be doing this Rambo shit and they start shooting each other. So we keep seeing got yeah. the gunshots. But what's going on right now is is Bert hears Jack and Curry's voice, but it's not really them. It's the scarecrows taunting him. But he doesn't know that. He thinks it's Jack and Curry. And Curry and Jack are saying things, but they're not like close enough to Bert. Um, but the Bert keeps hearing all the stuff in his head from the scarecrows. Right. So this is when he, uh, he uh, Bert kind of goes to a place where the scare there's like a, just a bunch of crosses but no scarecrows on them, and this mm-hmm. is when he starts to like 
He basically thinks he's he, like we keep hearing like Bert and Jack's voice, like, "Hey, we caught you. You're right there. You could, we could see you. We could see you behind these scarecrows. We could see you here. You're surrounded and everything." So Bert eventually just gives up. All right, he's like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I give up and stuff. You guys want the money? Here, take it. You could take the money." And then they're like, "We don't want to take the money. We want your blood. That's what we want." <laughs> And he's all like, what the fuck? And so then eventually we get some scarecrows that are taunting Bert some more. Um, and then uh, he tries to shoot them a little bit, but it doesn't work. And then he basically gets knifed by a scarecrow. So scarecrows have knives. I thought he was going to use like a corn or something, but apparently they use knives. A <laughs> corn? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like maybe a pitchfork. Um, the mummies in this, I mean the mummies. Yeah. The scarecrows in this movie kind of look like mummies, I think. Yeah, um, I'm still trying to figure out why they have teeth. Well, that was only one of them. Okay. Well, true. <laughs> only one of them had teeth, but I was trying to figure out why the mom, why the scarecrows had teeth. But well, they yeah. turned I mean, they him into pretty a good scarecrow. Though. That's why. We'll get to that. Yeah, them. true. All right, we'll get there. So then they start taunting and laughing at him, and then uh, Bert Bert also says, you know, before he died, he yeah uh, he hit the money as well. He like he hit it. Uh, so now we get like a shot of like a wheel and like a motor turning on. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess there's some like the 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 whole area since the scarecrows are active now. Now we have active farm equipment happening. I I suppose I was trying to figure out what that thing did the entire movie, but I'm know, guessing it just like maybe like gives like the the crows like power or something to turn on like robots. I have no idea. But we do see a picture in the house. We do see a picture of the house of these three farmers. So we have to be led to believe that the three scarecrows are these three farmer guys that turned into scarecrows somehow. That is for the prequel. That that that's that. I guess we would have to budget. That we need to make. Yes. Yeah. We need to make a prequel to this that explains how those three guys became scarecrows. Yes. Um. So Roxana and everything. They she uh um she uh lands the plane. And she's basically saying, like, hey, you know, I'm going to go look for them and stuff, but I need to take Kelly with me. Kelly is the daughter. Um, Of course. And then we had Kelly. Then we had Daddy. So this guy's whole name throughout the movie was not John or Jake or Jameson or or Rick. It was Daddy. His name is Daddy. Yeah. Okay, so we had Daddy, uh, non-ass, over here. uh, (laughs) Because he could fly the plane. Yeah, Daddy plane. Uh, he, Mm. He, Roxanne tells him to stay here. And don't be a hero, okay? Don't radio anything, because if you do, your daughter's going to be harmed. So just stay here, and she'll be okay. Uh, so now we have uh, Jack and Curry. They start like doing some Spanish jokes to each other. Uh, they go inside the house now, because they can't really find Bert anywhere else, so they go inside the house. Um, they start looking at all like the, the shit inside the house. Um... And then they think, like, Jack thinks somebody lives in there. All right, but Curry's like, no, they don't. So they're just looking around the house. And now they split up a little bit. Um, uh, Curry's looking around. He hears some, like, hears some, like footsteps upstairs. Um, and then uh, after he, like, looks through the window, that's when he sees Corbin. And Corbin kind of scared him. And then they say some more jokes about Rambo. <laughs> Yeah, the the Rambo shit like me, yeah. just cracks me up. I, I just can't. Well, get it. this part kind of was like cracking me up a little bit. Like Curry and the, over the radio, like they're mm-hmm. still talking to each other on the radio most of the time, 
yeah. Curry's all like, he's like, I'm not sure who lives here and stuff, but they might be devil worshipers. They might be. Yeah. The thing, also, a thing that cracks me up too is the radios themselves. Yes. Which I'm pretty sure <laughs> that they were basically just talking into a wire. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they just had some kind of wire attached yeah. to whatever headset they were wearing. I'm pretty sure that was not a microphone. In fact, they had to, it looked like a lot of times they had to hold it in place. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but like when they talked about it, they'd have to grab it with their hands and hold it in front of their mouth. <laughs> like, but yeah, you well, know, they had you got to do what you got to do like, when you're uh, an indie filmmaker. Right? Yeah. I mean, they had some the Metal Gear Solid fucking outfits on. Right. Right. Exactly. Or like some SWAT team from Resident Evil and shit. Yeah. So. Like, like the night vision headsets in this movie was probably the most ex- expensive thing they used. Yeah. Um, so now Roxanne and Kelly show up and stuff and they show up to the house and they're kind of like saying like, you know, where, where, where is Bert and stuff? Where was he hiding at? I couldn't go find him out there and stuff. He's like gone. Um, so now like Jack, Jack is now on the roof right now. So he's on the roof and stuff. Um, he's looking through his gun. He's looking through his night vision. All right. Yeah. And, uh, we just, when we see the crows again, you know, we see they keep seeing the same shots of the same crows all the time, kind of like moving around a little bit. And one of them, you could just see that he's breathing and stuff. And then, um, so Jack is kind of looking up there. He sees those three crosses. No. And then he sees the, he finds, um, Bert's parachute. He's like, Hey guys, I found something. But then he sees like a, uh, he sees there is night vision. He also sees a scarecrow too. So he freaks out. And then he goes and tells the crew, like, hey, I found his. Par- I gotta tell you guys something and stuff. And, but there's a crazy scarecrow out there, and but I found his parachute. And they're like, all right, all right, stop freaking out and stuff, and let's go to the let's go to what you find the parachute. And come on, Jack, scarecrows, please. <laughs> so they don't believe. Yeah, me. I mean, for a movie called Scarecrows, there's there's not a lot of like scarecrows doing anything at this point. Well, they kind of yeah. At but, this point, they're kind of just hanging but around. It does change. Yeah. So Roxana asks for um. So Roxana asks like, "Hey, where where is the parachute by?" And then Jack says, "Okay, they're yeah. by those three crosses over there." So they all go, try to go walk over there right now. So uh, <laughs> Curry just keeps making fun of uh, Jack and how he keeps seeing scarecrows. Uh, he's like, "We gotta go, Jack." He's like, "Jack and his scarecrows, ha ha ha." Okay. Mm-hmm. So they go and Jack oh, asks, yeah. um, you know. So, like, Jack's like, you know, Jack and Curry are walking. And Jack, this is probably my favorite line of the movie, by the way. So, they're, like, walking, you know, they're going to that three crosses and stuff. And Jack's like, hey, man, uh, you ever feel like you're being watched? He's like, no. He's like, well, well I see you uh, holding your little gun there, a little close. He, and Curry's like, listen, I feel like this place is possessed with demons. No, demonic demons. That oh so okay we gotta stop for a second yeah <laughs> I almost so I, I gotta say my favorite line though go ahead oh no no go you say your say your line and I'll comment okay on okay it. so Jack says I feel like this place is possessed by demonic demons all right and then fucking Curry goes your head's gonna be possessed by the butt of my gun ooh <laughs> cutting back King over here. You can you can't get past Curry, man. He'll fucking come back with you some with some hard shots. Yeah, Curry Curry Curry's a badass. But my question though at this point, um, <laughs> so demonic 
demons? Like, what no. other kind of demons are there? Well, there's, um, you know, <laughs> Pispicalian uh, demons. Um, there's, um, there's Hawaiian demons. There's um, water demons. You know, fire demons. You know, it's that. I mean, that's literally like saying, "I'm pretty sure that guy, that guy's a bad, bad guy." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. Like, he's a fucking demon. Like, of course he's demonic. He's a demon. Like, yeah. really? Anyway. So like, so then Curry's like, demonic demons, Christ. <laughs> then the scarecrows watch again in the same scene we always see. So Roxana and Kelly, they're in the barn, yeah, or like upstairs and stuff. And uh, Kelly's just trying to get some of the, uh, I guess, some of the shit off her hair and stuff. And then Roxana's like, "Here, take this mirror," but she calls it something else, like some weird title. Um, so now the crew is at the cro- crosses right now. Um, so they go by, uh, so they're just like, Hey, they're just kind of going like, they see like the, they're trying to figure out, Hey, where's his parachute? It's like, Oh, it's by the left. I think. Um, so Corbin, so I bet apparently they said like every once in a while, Cor- Corbin would turn off his radio. So that's what's happening right now. So that's why they can't get over him. And then we see a helicopter. Then we see a scene of a helicopter flying above. The dad was hesitating to like call the the radios or not because he doesn't want to get his daughter mm-hmm. killed. So he eventually finds a gun and he leaves the airplane. So now uh, uh, Corey is by like where the uh, where, where where the crosses and stuff, and they don't see any money there. So he's like, "Where the fuck is all this money?" Okay. So then after they don't see the money, kind of by the crosses, Jack and Curry they're walking and stuff, and they can they have this very fascinating conversation they're like you know like those crosses and stuff like there's like nothing on there like you think they'll put our bodies on there you know they're gonna bolt our they can't bolt our hand to the cross because you know we would bleed out and stuff but if they bolt our wrist we could stay on there and curry's like, like why would we be thinking about this well this curry point? is like they're gonna bolt shit to that it's metal on metal <laughs> <laughs> And Jack's like, well, you can make it work. <laughs> so, I love yeah, it. the dialogue in this movie is, is amazing. It, yeah, they it, they, it, they had some yeah. pretty funny uh, random conversations. And it, it gets better, also. Yes, than it does right now. So this is when the dad. This is when Daddy goes by the fence. He tries to hop it, and this is when we keep saying, we keep hearing voices now from the scarecrows are making. Where are you, yeah. Daddy? Where daddy, I'm I need some help, Daddy. Where are you, Daddy? So the scarecrows are pretending to be Kelly to trick mm-hmm. Daddy. Alright. So now they find Bert's truck. And they think that he's like in there. They're like, hey, we found Bert, he's in this truck and shit. Alright, so then like they um then we have like this news going on about the manhunt and everything over top of it. Um, I guess that's when Roxanne was listening to it and stuff. Um, and then they start shooting up the truck and basically the truck, there was no Burton there. It was just fucking scarecrows. They're like, yes, scarecrow, so they bro. think they basically think Bert right now is like tricking them. Like this fucking Bert, he's trying to trick us. Which <laughs> these people are not real easy, not real hard to trick. So <laughs> as, as a, we'll, fi- we'll find out in a few, in a few minutes why this plan didn't work the way they wanted to yeah. do. But, uh, yeah, here we go. So, Roxanne kind of like, she is like, listen, guys, we need to get out of here. 
You know what I mean? Like, we have the army chasing us. And the army we, is going to eat the army chasing yeah, us. The, the fucking whole army is chasing us right the whole now. Army. And they're going to eat us for breakfast. Yeah. We're like the Incredible Hulk. The, the army is chasing us. Yes. So I was like, okay, fine. And then, like, I like on the news newscast after they, they said what's going on. It's like, in other news, uh, the lottery winners for today were. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. It's like just fucking random. Like, yeah, yeah tell us about who the lottery winners were. So now they have found the money. Kind of. Curry says it's a, a birch uh, shot. Uh, Curry, let's see. Okay. So they found the, they think they found the money because they found Bert's parachute. All right. Yeah. And, so, yeah. okay. So Bert parachuted out of an airplane with $3 million. Yeah. Even though they knew the $3 million was in the chest. So maybe they thought that Bert, when he landed, put all the $3 million into his bag on the parachute and threw it up on a tree. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of time to do that. Too. Even, even even if you have a hundred dollars, yeah, a hundred dollar bills, that's a lot of. I mean, like, we should have done research on this probably before the show, but I bet that's a lot of money to carry around. That probably is. I mean, it's like, a whole box that he was in. Well, well, yeah, like so he's so he's carrying around three million dollars in in his in his little backpack or whatever. Well, that's, that's uh, what uh, they think. Uh, according to Curry, yes. So Curry, he makes Jack go and cut that shit down. And and then so like right. Jack comes up there, he's about to cut the stuff down. And then Curry's like, Yeah, cut it. Yeah, let me see all the 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 flying coins from heaven. And then he cuts that shit. Yes, the, <laughs> and all the and, bunch of blood and guts fall on his ass. <laughs> so I thought, the, I thought that part was pretty awesome. When they fucking had all like the fucking blood and guts fall on his ass. I was like, <laughs> I was laughing during that one. Um, so Roxanne now, she is, uh, she's asking, um, about Bert, like, is, is anybody seen him and stuff? Um, and then like, no, Bert, and like, Curry's freaking out. I was like, no, Bert, he set a trap for us and everything. That motherfucker's gonna get it. He's a dead man. Um, and then we see like a first person view and stuff while, while they're all talking, like Roxanne's talking through him to the, uh, to the, to the walkie. We keep seeing a first person view and everything. Um, and then eventually Bert has now shown up to the house. And because Kelly saw saw him out the mirror, and uh, this is when Roxanne, um, so she rises in, so like she just says like, "All right, guys, I found him. It's Bert. He's in the house." And they're like, "Oh yeah, finally some good luck." I was like, "Okay." So now we just like cut the scene, and now we have Corbin beating the shit out of Cur- uh, of, of Bert, yelling at him and stuff like, mm-hmm. "You fucking took the money. Where's the money? Where's the money?" And of course, Bert's not saying anything. Uh, and then like Corbin just keeps beating his ass during this whole time. And eventually Kelly, Kelly was like, tell him like, Hey, stop it. You're going to kill the guy. And they tell her to stop. Uh, Corey's like, it's like, calm down. Well, you know, just go change your diaper somewhere. Ooh, sick burn Curry. <laughs> That's uh-huh. sick burn. Uh, and then, you know, uh, she kind of goes off and everything. And, you know, they're just trying to find the money from this guy. And Jack, so Jack kind of comes up to her, like to the Kelly, and just kind of like comfort for a second. And then Kelly's all like, "Get away from me, you cold-blooded killer!" And it's like, "Oh fuck, okay, I didn't do nothing." 
Um, so Bert is basically like not talking. They're kind of talking to themselves, like, man, this guy's not talking and stuff. Like, I've never seen a guy take a beating like this before. Like, what, what's going on? Like, he's just, I bet he's just laughing with us right now. I mean, he's got to have a concussion or something. All right? But he's probably sure. laughing at us and he's probably like, just, you know, he's, like, I know he hit that money and everything. So Curry's like listening to all this stuff and he's getting mad. So he fucking grabs up Bert and stuff. He rips off his shirt and then he sees a bunch of like scars on Bert. Mm-hmm. And Bert's like, because there's like a $100 bill within his scar. And Bert's yes. like, what's wrong? Can't you take it? Oh, okay. So then Bert Ooh, starts attacking Bert. his ass. All right. So Bert's attacking and then he starts kicking everybody's ass. Yep. So he fucking throws down Jack. Corbin comes in. He fucking smacks that motherfucker down. He has a little brawl with Jack. All right. Roxanne's like, she's like stuck in the door. She can't do Jack shit. Uh, eventually, we have a couple shots. Uh, almost six times for this one. Not exactly six times. Six, six times. All right. So uh, we have a shot. And then um, eventually, the uh, Jack takes, uh, Bert takes Jack and throws him out the window while taking some <laughs> fingers from him. And then Bert goes into um, goes into um, Corbin and th- pulls him by the throat, goes, uh, uh, th- uh, gets him by the throat, and yeah. um, this is when Jack kind of like tries to intervene a little bit, but he gets knocked down. And then eventually, um, Cor- uh, Cor- uh, Corey comes back in, uh, and then he starts like knocking him down a little bit. Then he shoots him a lot more times, like keeps shooting him, shooting him, shooting him. Yeah. And eventually, Corbin yeah. finally chops off his head. Yeah. Speaking of shots, at this point, I needed a shot to keep continue this movie. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot, yeah. So we still have no scarecrows doing anything at this point, by the way. Well, technically... Except uh, breathing. Well, hold on. So, technically, <laughs> Bert is now a scarecrow. Well, oh, right. We, they turned true. him... Technically, they turned Bert him. is a scarecrow. Yes, they turned... It's kind of like... A, it's like a zombie, but with scarecrows. Okay? Right. Yeah, true. So then they they realize like, hey, this guy's very light, like he's like light as a feather, all right. And they're like, all right, yeah. cut him open. So they cut his ass open, and they're like, oh, there's some money in here and, and some like uh, leaves and shit, or like uh, a straw. Right. I think it was money and straw was in there. Mm. And so yeah. they're, they're kind of like, right. <laughs> so like, <they're kinda laughs> I thought this one was pretty funny. <laughs> So they're like, they're like, I don't know. I, I, I think it was like Jack that said this, but they're like cutting him open. He's very light. They see money and stuff. And then they're like, oh, he just ate all of our money. All right. Hold the fucking phone. <laughs> so we got to stop here for a second. I'm pretty sure it's Roxanne that said this, but yeah. so she's like, so, okay. So they, <laughs> all right. So for the people who haven't watched this thing, so they cut his, basically they cut his shirt open and they see that like he's been cut open before. There's money stuck in the incisions. And Roxanne's, who is the leader of this thing, her re- her um her uh reaction to all this is he must have ate the money. Yeah. So at this point in this movie, I started to realize why this plan didn't work the way they wanted it to. <laughs> if if this is if this is the kind of leadership we have. Well so Go like ahead. you're supposed to you think that he ate the money because the money stuffed inside of him and he's cut open in the front. So yes. you think he ate the money. Yeah, he ate it to like you know, shit it out later so he can use it later. <laughs> <apparently>. <laughs> All 
So All right, the, fine. But the, the sure. problem is, though, the problem is, Allison, that is not even the worst part yet. <laughs> That's not even the worst part. So, yes. so Kelly, she runs off. She's like, fuck these idiots. Yeah. I'm out of here. I can't believe I get kidnapped <laughs> by this fucking crew. All right. So I'm pretty sure yeah. this was Jack or something. Then they're like, wait a minute. He didn't probably eat the money. But I think somebody like gutted him and they stuffed the money in him. Oh, you think? You know? I mean, come on, that duh. And then the curry's like, your brain is gutted. <laughs> He's like, wow. and then Gary's like, well, he was gutted and studded with money. How the hell did he kick all of our asses? I, like, I don't know. Oh, He's no. fucking apparently just kicked all your asses. That's what he does. So, so then, you know, so now we see Kelly, the daughter. She's running yeah. out. She got away from these idiots. But then she see, keeps hearing <laughs> a sound called Kelly. Kelly, help me, Kelly. It's her dad's voice, and uh, um, it's just it's basically the scarecrow is messing with her. So she keeps running, and then she eventually sees her daddy on a cross, gutted. Yeah, and that was court, pretty amazing. I, I, that was yeah. a good scene. I like that. Yeah, and then like, and then she gets grabbed really quickly, and we find out that was Corbin was the one who grabbed her. So then, now the crew is picking up the money through dead Bert's guts, and they're like, and they're, yeah. they're going through. It's like, oh, yeah, this is not nearly not all of it at all. No, yeah, it isn't. <laughs> no shit. It's amazing. How much fucking money could you <laughs> stick in a person? <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> you can't you can't stick three billion dollars inside of a human being. Yeah. And then Jock's like, you know, like, what if like the people who like lived here did this? Huh? What if? Yeah, what if? Uh 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 and then he's like and Kerry's like, what if you shut up? <laughs> and then Roxanne's like she's like said, like, hey, you know, I think we, we can't leave this place without the money we need all the money okay we, I, just because of some weird shit going on here i need my money all right so now now kelly shows up after corbin brought her back and she runs up to fucking roxanne and she slaps the girl she says you bitch and corbin says like well what's going and then corbin's like yeah somebody fucking killed her dad you know like bird over here and they're yeah. like oh well oh, shit. we didn't really mean that to happen because they kind of need the daddy to fly the airplane to fly the plane right yeah. and, and of course kelly thinks it was um, Roxanne had killed him and she said like you killed him and all you and you know and she, you killed him and shit so she kind of goes off and he's like man we kind of need that guy to you know find the plane you know and they're like well who's going to fly it now She's and they're like well she's going to have to Kelly's going to have to hopefully she can but like why yeah. did why did they not recruit a pilot when they did this pl- this plane well, to steal three million dollars eh, it was easier to steal one I guess I, I maybe guess. maybe the pilot called in sick. Who knows? Okay, uh, maybe. So Jack now sees all the money spread across the farm now. All right, and then now uh, um, Corbin is having a little bit of a, a conscience, and now he's decided I'm gonna go bury uh, Kelly's dad. All right. So uh, Corey and Pack uh, and Jack um, they start picking up the money around everywhere. Uh, and then they're basically saying, okay, we need to we need to cover more of the area, so we're going to go two separate ways. And Jack keeps talking about his fucking harmonica the whole time. Like, I need my harmonica. Where I, got, I wish I could find my harmonica. So you know the asshole this is, is like, going to find his harmonica. <laughs> we, we didn't mention this, but this is a recurring theme through that, the entire movie. 
So like somewhere near the beginning of the movie, like this dude's like, oh my god, I left, I lost my harmonica, and this goes on and on and on through the entire yes. movie. So Corbin's now bearing the dad with the harmonica theme that yes. plays. So Kelly mm-hmm. now Kelly is now crying. Now she cries on Rex, on Roxanne after she just slapped her and, and blamed her for the death. So Jack right. finds his harmonica. Finally. And now, and now Jack is now playing his harmonica and he's just wandering off with it, not hearing anything that Curry's saying. <laughs> uh-huh. And then yeah. eventually, um, eventually he, uh, Jack runs into basically a scarecrow. He gets punched down. Jack's not responding. The crow grabs um, the saw. He, like, he grabs the saw and he starts sawing off Jack's hand. And then yes. he eventually stabs his head. So Finally. I thought that part, part was pretty wild. That was fantastic. Then we have a lot more shots of the, of the crows everywhere. We should have had this 45 minutes ago. Exactly. Yes. It's great. So Curry now finds Jack's gun. So he's like running around everywhere. Um, the scarecrows are, are kind of like, they're, they're, they're starting to sew up Jack. Like they're making him one of them. So we're now seeing... And in real time of how the uh, scarecrows, when they kill somebody, how they make them one of them. So now, um, Curry finds, um, he's like looking around, looking around and he finds Jack. He's like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, he sees, just sees his hand. He turns around the scarecrow's about to attack him with a knife, but he blocks it with his gun and he starts shooting his, this fucking, uh, scarecrow more than six times and he doesn't do anything, but he gets away. Yeah. And then, like, he goes to the crew and stuff. Like, he finds Corbin and all of them. He's all like, I shot him six times. I shot him six <laughs> times. He's a monster. Oh, wait. That's a different movie. But he was like, I oh, shot yeah. him. <laughs> He's like, I shot him. And there's these <laughs> fucking guys. He has, they cut his hand off and bullets don't stop, stop it. So they all go back inside. And, like, they got Jack. And so I was like, all, 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 all the shit was always made up of straw. So they go back in the house and everything. Um... And then they're like thinking, like, oh, man, maybe we gotta. And I know you guys are like planning on something. And we gotta, we gotta find him everything, but you gotta make it out of silver or something. We we do. Because <laughs> like, and they're like, he's basically saying they gotta make silver bombs because they're not like real people. All right. So, um. Or something. Yeah. So they don't really know what it is. So Curry's saying like, yo, they want us dead. They don't care about the money out here. They just want to rip us apart. Uh. They just want to. They just want to rip us limb from limb. Yeah. All right. And Roxanne's like, you know, like, so Roxanne's like, you know, Roxanne's just kind of like playing it off, like, don't say this shit. And Kelly's like, I want to go home. I just want to get out of here. And Curry's like, Yo, you just want to go home? Oh yeah, fine. Why don't you go? Why don't you go walk down a little light path over there, and you can just walk on there, take a little stroll. And, and take mm-hmm. a little stroll through the moonlight and stuff. Hell, they'll rip your little. <laughs> they will rip your little ass. Okay, <clears throat> let me let me let me let me correct this. Let me let me say it like our boy yeah. Curry did. Uh, you want to go rock through the moonlight and everything? Fuck, they fucking rip your little asshole out faster <laughs> than Capacilla. Yep. I was like, damn. Okay, tell like it straight. It was fantastic. And then, uh, and then Kelly's like, well, they don't want me. <laughs> they only want you guys because you guys were the bad guys in the movie. 
Yeah, because you guys are the, the villains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, Corbin's all like, hey, like, I'm not going to stay here. All right. And they're going to hunt us and they're going to they're gonna pick us off one by one. All right. But Corey, Corey wants to wait. He wants to, his plan is to wait it out. And Roxanne doesn't, you know, want to, doesn't want to wake it out. She wants to find the money and go. And he, and Corey's like, listen, guys, guns don't work on them. And then Corey <laughs> explains this whole scenario. He's like, listen, guys. Yes. All right. This is why this is happening right now. So, you know, when we were getting chased up in the air that nobody saw on video. Uh, mm. So what happened was they were shooting at us. We were shooting at them. We were flying away. They were flying. What happened was we got our way too clean. It was just too mm. easy. All right, I'm stealing this money. Get to the Pacific. But what if we're all dead right now? What if this is like one of those like Twilight Zone <laughs> episodes? All right. Yeah. <laughs> what if? What if? What if? <laughs> At this, what if it, <laughs> no, my, my best part. Hold on. He was all like, you know, like, what if we're not real? I mean, like, we're really here, but what if we're not actually real? <laughs> At this point, I had to pause the move for a second. I was like, did this dude just drop acid or something? Bro, like, he was, maybe we're he... not even real. Bro, this guy <laughs> was dropping we're not some. Even real people. He was dropping we're just some. Like, not... maybe. <laughs> yeah, he was dropping some fucking deep dot that facts on us. I was like, fuck, fuck, Curry. You're like, not, you're what? right. It's like, what? What's real, it's man? Like, <laughs> like, we're all, none like, of us are real. Like, Allison, like, like, is this even real right now, what we're doing? I mean, we're really here doing this show right man. now, but, like, is this real? I have no idea. <laughs> the, whole, Corey, the whole world's fake, man. Corey the philosopher over here. Great. <laughs> I loved it. He's having, like, a huge breakdown shit. All right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um... So, now the, uh, the, the, the scarecrows and stuff, um... They're starting to play the the harmonica out there. All right, to kind of trick Curry. The Curry's like, "Oh shit, that's Jack. I can hear him." This goddamn like, harmonica is yes. like the bane of the everybody's <laughs> fucking existence in this damn movie. So like Jack Curry pretty much hears like Jack to the radio, and, every, and everybody else was like, "We don't hear anything, man." He's like, "What the hell? You, what what are you guys trying to pull over here? What are you talking about? You don't hear anything." <laughs> So Roxanne's like, we gotta leave out of this place. This fucking guy's crazy. He's crazier than the damn scarecrows. Corey's <laughs> like, we can't leave. Jack is on his way right now. He told me. We cannot leave. All right. All right. He's, he, he's gonna have the money too. So they all want to leave, basically. So Roxanne, Kelly, and Corbin all want to leave. All right. And then Corey's like, what the fuck are you doing with Jack's gun? To Roxanne. She's like, oh shit, this crazy guy. He's gonna kill my ass. He's like, here, you can have it. And then Corey's like, all right, everybody. You guys don't want to stay here? Well, get the hell out. I don't need any of you guys. Jack, Jack and me are going to take care of everything. And they're like, okay, fucking let's get out of here. So they all run away. And of course, we had to like explain what we're doing. All right, guys, let's run. All right, we're running through the forest right now. Okay, this guy's crazy, but let's go to the airplane. And once we get to the airplane, we're going to start it all up. It's like, fuck, okay, we, we, we get it. You don't have to explain everything to me. We got you. We have to tell everything that's happening. So, uh, so they chase... Um, and then, so so during this, when when they're trying to leave and stuff, like Roxanne, Kelly, and Corbin, Kelly hears her do- fucking dog came out of nowhere. I didn't know they even had a fucking dog. She hears her like, dog. Yeah, why Dax. is there a dog? Like, that's <laughs> that was my question. Like I was, I was gonna bring up, why is there a dog in this movie? 
Like there's a dog on the plane for some random ass reason. Well, it's probably because the the, the dad and the daughter brought the, the dog on the plane where they were just going. Them, they just so happened to have a dog, but I didn't see the dog in the beginning of the film. Maybe I missed him, but he was there. I you guess. did. He, yeah, he is there. Like there's a scene where they're like, yeah. there's like this random ass dog that's on the plane. And they're like, well, why is this happening? Why is this dog here? But so, the dog is a plot point, it turns out. Yes. So Kelly's running out the dog because she wants to grab the dog. And Corbin's like, it's not your dog. Don't listen to it. It's the scarecrows. I paid in a hundred thousand dollars in this movie, so I have to be the smart one. They wrote me to be the smart guy, even though I look like an idiot. By the way, did you hear how I didn't get no lines? It's amazing. <laughs> so they chase so they start chasing her chasing her and stuff. And then Roxanne's like, Oh shit, I found some money. All right, well, fuck it. Fuck these assholes. I'm going to grab this fucking money. <laughs> fuck these so she assholes. starts grabbing a shit ton of money. Corbin's like, listen, I'm the smart one, remember? Don't grab the money. You're going to get killed. <laughs> I paid so much money to say that particular line. <laughs> so, and then they keep going after the dog. And eventually, um, you know, Roxanne's picking up so much money that she actually like just like bumps right into a scarecrow. And then the scarecrow uses like a pitchfork to stab her in the hand. And they fucking yep. like, then she rips out of it and then they stab her in the back. So there goes her. And then she, we see a bunch of blood on some dice. Um, Kelly's looking for Dax. Scarecrows are waiting with some knives to get her. Uh, they're like, follow us, Kelly. Uh, Scarecrows try to cut uh, try to cut her, but Corbin comes in and he blows him up with his <laughs> super Resident Evil grenade launcher shotgun that he somehow had this whole time. Yep. Uh, Corbin says, uh, let's go to the plane. All right. So then they keep saying, like, Roxana, we're going to the plane right now. Forget about the money. It's not worth it. Let's go, Roxana. Let's go, Roxana. They keep calling for her, but obviously she's dead now. Yeah. Um. So now, the, now we have a scarecrow checking out another scarecrow saying, like, oh, guns don't work, but this, like, fire shit does, apparently. Yeah. Um. Uh, Corey, he's still hearing Jack. So he thinks Jack's going to be on his way pretty soon. Um, Corbin and Kelly, they find the plane. Okay. And they're trying to go through this fence. So Kelly goes through the fence first, but then Corbin gets stuck a little bit. Then the scarecrows come by by him, start stabbing his fucking legs. And then then he's like, run, Kelly. Run to the plane. Save yourself. I'm no longer your kidnapper anymore. I am now your hero and your rescuer, even though I brought you in the place in this first place. I suppose. So, Corey, look, you know, so now during all this stuff, Corey's, he hears a noise. So he looks upstairs. He's like, Jack, you here? Jack, what's going on? He hears the phone ringing. He's like, oh, it's the phone ringing here. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, like, then we hear, like, this monster breathing sound. And it was like, <clears throat> he's like, hey, hey, Corey. Hey, uh, uh, check what's in the fridge. And he's like, okay. This is great. And he looks in the fridge, and it's Bert's head. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah. like, and then, like, Bert says, his dead head says, well, what is it? And he starts laughing. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Yeah. So that was a good one. So uh, Curry calls for Jack, and he hears noises outside. So after he's running freaked out, he's calling for Jack and stuff, but he hears some more noises outside. Um... So also too, so during this, um, Kelly comes back to rescue 
Corbin. So after Corbin was getting like mm. his legs chopped off and shit, she yeah. comes back and uses that Resident Evil flame flower or, or mm. grenade gun, and she she wrecks him, and they go they go to the airplane. Right? Oh. So uh, Corey is like you know saying like hey you know hey Paco it's me it, 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 I'm Jack I, I'm here where, where are you at and stuff they're in the airplane stuff and they're trying to get like um some stuff over the radio but it's not working. So now Jack has arrived. And he starts taunting Corey a little bit um, to open up the door. It's like, hey, man, this is Jack and everything. You need to open up the door. But, like, Corey at this time is like, I don't know if everybody trusts this guy. Like, what's what's going on? So he keeps hearing this noise. And we keep hearing, like, you know, Jack Jack is just talking normal now. All right? But then, like, when we see his face, somehow Jack turned into a Cenobite. Because he kind has, of, like, this, yeah. like, fucking night vision head. <laughs> His, like, fucking teeth that nobody else has, like, crazy-looking teeth besides he does. Yeah. And, like, a, a scarecrow-looking body. So he eventually, Jack uh, Curry opens the door, and, J- and Jack just kills him. And then Jack makes the joke, oh, it's hard to go to Mexico when we're dead. <laughs> That's okay. a good point, Jack. Yes, thank you, Jack. So now the gas has run out of the pump. I guess it's, I guess they I guess they finished. I guess. Uh, so we have some more scarecrow shots again of them breathing. And this is when the plane takes off. So the plane we have we only have Kelly and we have Corbin left on the plane. Who can? Yeah, and, and Kelly can conveniently fly the plane, which is I guess. Well, yeah, a good I mean thing. she learned pretty well from her daddy. From her from daddy, yeah. Yes. So Corbin's like, oh fuck. The, the, the craziest thing is Corbin got stabbed a pretty good amount on his legs and he's walking around like everything's fine. Right, because he spent $150,000 on this piece of shit. So, that's true. So that's why he's able to be able to do that. So Corbin lights a cigarette and he sees dead daddy <laughs> right in front of him. And he fucking <laughs> supposedly kills him. Supposedly. Yeah. So we go. So now the dead daddy is going to Kelly. This is when we have a little stalker moment. Yeah. Uh, and he, tries to, he actually stabs Kelly right in the arm. Which I was like, that was pretty yep. crazy. And then uh, Corbin comes over. He's still alive. And he's trying to go, like, grab Daddy to help him out. And um, so he's trying to help and everything. And, of course, Kelly's, like, saying, like, no, Daddy. Corbin, help. No, Daddy. Corbin, help. So, like, this part is a little weird. So Corbin grabs oh, a yeah. grenade. That's and a he just, yeah. like, blows them both up. But, like... <laughs> Wasn't the concern at the beginning of the movie that one grenade could blow up the whole airplane? Yeah, he just yeah. used one up in the air. So yeah, yeah. So basically, what you're saying is this: this movie should have been like five minutes long. <laughs> like they should have blown up. Like these these complete clusterfucks should have blown up this plane yeah. like five minutes into this movie, and none of this would have happened, and none of these scarecrows would have ever been bothered. And they could have just gone about their scarecrow lives in their little field without all these dumb fucks like fucking up their whole lives. That's what I'm saying. But I mean, it's a good movie. Yes. You should watch it. But yeah, these people are not the smartest people I've ever seen. So so Kelly starts to scream after all that. They just saw her dead daddy and this Corbin yes. guy that I guess she was having a wanted to have an affair with. Not as uh, or wanted to be at least lovers. Uh they all both blow up. And then what happens? Dax the dogs just starts eating them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
so now we are looking at some scarecrows and we start hearing the news. The news is back. It's like, all right, hey, news, news just broke that this all night chase has is, is come to the end because the, the airplane that the, the, the whole SWAT team was, was, was tracking uh, uh, came back to the original landfield. Mm. And then when the SWAT yeah. team went in there, all they found was some dog eating some dead bodies and shit. But the dog was really wild. It was going wild. So we had, they had the, the SWAT team had to tame the dog. All right. And we found out that one of the bodies was uh, was the, the the daddy. The other body was un, unidentified. And then they, we found this 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 young uh, this young lady in the cockpit. She was apparently in a trance and stuff. And she apparently from she is the one who flew the whole plane back there. And she was a trance. And she was basically in shock. And that ends the scarecrow, brother. It's great. So we have a final girl, Kelly. Yeah. Everybody died. We had some Cinnabites. We had some fucking crows and shit. We had some <laughs> zombie crows and we had some one-liners. We had everything in this movie. We had some dumb people. So, <laughs> but like I said, you know, the movie had some funny parts to it and some weird parts yeah, and good. stuff. But it was actually it was pretty good flowing movie. Yeah. You know. It was hard to like recap all the one-liners that they did because there were so many, but it was. Uh, I would say this is a pretty enjoyable movie. I would give it a, a good thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should definitely watch this. Yeah. It's it's good. Like I mean, it you know, like we laugh at it a lot, but it's it's a good flick, and you know, you should watch it. Uh, you know, it's definitely a vision for sure. And it's like, I yeah, it's good. It's yeah. Great. Because and like the way we found it too, if anybody was wondering, we found it off YouTube. That's the only way we could find yep. it. But yeah, you um, watch it on YouTube. Yeah, so it's definitely a fun one. I, I definitely everybody check it out and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, that has been the Retro Blood continuing our month long reviews of Cornfield and Scarecrows and all that crazy shit in the middle. But uh, up next week here on the Retro Blood, we are continuing some more Scarecrows. Some more, some more craziness, because we are doing Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Oh yeah, I'm excited about this. An American made-for-television horror film. Made-for-television horror is something they don't do anymore. Yeah, which is pretty wild. So we'll be doing that one here next week on the Retro Blood. Everybody, check it all out, and you no, know, check out the Facebook page. As well, mm. as well as our group page, everybody, too. So give us a like and start following us up there for all the extras on the show. But, yep. Allison, do you have any final words you want to say about the Scarecrow before we head on out of man, here? Oh, like I got to say is, man, if you can track this thing down, which you can on YouTube right now, just you should watch this. This is a good flick. I mean, we laughed at it a lot, but, I mean, la- you know, life is about laughter. You know, like, yeah. if you can't enjoy life, like, what's life all about, right? Yeah, yeah, this is a good flick. This is a good flick. It's got scarecrows. Some of them have teeth for some reason, and we don't know why. But it's a good movie, and you should go. You guys should watch it. And I didn't realize like the scarecrows' choice of weapon was just knives. Yep, knives. I I I thought there would be more pitchforks. Yeah, there's only one pitchfork. Thinking about yeah, only one pitchfork. Maybe the budget can only last for like one pitchfork. They could only buy one pitchfork. They spent too much money on that damn plane. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. they needed to use stock footage of the plane and not go to Mexico and film like planes taking off and shit. Yeah. Like exactly. that's too much money. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Get your come priorities. on, man. 
So exactly. All right, Austin. What are we gonna leave everybody with, music-wise? Let's play some Anthrax, man. Let's let's listen to uh, "Make Me Laugh" as we leave. Make me laugh, brother, because this movie definitely made us laugh on a couple scenes. Yep. Especially yep. when, especially when Jack cut open that fucking parachute on the guts fell on Curry. I was laughing my ass off. Yeah, he must have ate all the. He must have ate the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must have ate the money, and then, oh well, well maybe they gutted him and put money inside him. No, he ate it. Yes. No, he ate it. That's, that's the only way it could got inside of him. Yeah, exactly. A full course meal. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll check you later. See you guys later.